So, hello again. So, we're here for our last episode of the season. We have two students who uh, did an interesting presentation on superconductivity. So, I'm going to let them introduce themselves and then we can get started. So, you guys want to introduce yourselves? Hi, uh, I'm Aurore. And uh, my name is Kelly. So, we have Aurore and Kelly who are two students uh, in their final, final year uh, of secondary school. You guys are both doing physics this year, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yes, we yeah. are. Yes, and uh, you're both doing biology also, or you're doing no. math on the math. side and you're doing biology. Both of math. you are doing math. Yeah. On the- oh, there we go. So both doing math and physics, so you guys have seen more physics than, uh, let's say, half of the other classmates who have already uh, had their mission. But let's get to the topic. So superconductivity, which is a very interesting topic, which is very uh, currently being debated and uh, has a lot of potential for the future. So do you guys want to start maybe talking to us about uh, what you presented, maybe a bit of a history, some basic concepts of it. And then we had a few questions from your classmates, not as much as usual. But we'll chalk it up to the fact that it was a pretty advanced topic. So, um, so uh, I can start with the history. Mm-hmm. So um, we found that scientists need to have a conductive material in order to make the electronic flow through. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the conductor loses energy when it goes through in light and heat depending on individual materials, electrical resistance. And this was called, we learned this in uh, many years ago when we were in junior high. and uh, uh, Joule effect. Right, the, uh, the Joule effect, which is basically because of the resistance that the conductor always has. Even if it's a little bit of a resistance, it causes a dissipation of the energy. Go on. Yeah. And so um, they found gold and copper. Mm-hmm. And they found a direct uh, relations between temperature and resistance. Mm-hmm. And that means that the colder the material is, uh, the more conductive uh, it becomes. And so the less resistance it poses to the passage of the electric current. So the colder it gets, the less resistance, so you lose less energy. Yeah, okay. but uh, no matter how cold uh, this material was, um, they will always show some resistance. And so uh, in 1911, a Dutch fi- physicist discovered that when mercury was cold all the way down to 4.0 Kelvin mm-hmm. below absolute zero, uh, his resistance... Uh, below, above absolute zero. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yes. above absolute zero, his resistance disappeared and it was the first superconductor. Right. Do you have the name of the physicist who did this? Do you remember? I don't remember the name. Uh, I don't have it uh, right now. Okay. So this is 100 years ago. This is more than 100 years yeah. ago. So the first example of what you call superconductivity, which yeah. means that <coughs> electricity flowing without any resistance, dates to back to 100 years ago. Yeah. And you're saying it's directly related to the temperature of the topic, of the subject. Yeah. Uh, now, 4 Kelvin, is it very cold? Yes, it is. How much is it in Celsius? How cold is it? Oh my god, uh, I don't know, but I know uh, that Celsius is... I know, it's uh, um, almost 270 uh, right. uh, below, below zero right. Celsius. Do we see temperatures like this at all in our daily lives? No. So I guess the only place where temperatures would go down this cold would be in outer space, right? Yeah. Where we think the average temperature of the space 
when it's not exposed to the sun is about four Kelvin. So it's not something we can have in our daily lives. No. Okay. Uh, so Kelly, I think you were going to add something. Uh, yeah, then we talked about the theory behind all of that, which is the BCS theory that right. was uh, uh, like invented in 1972 after uh, John Bardeen, Leon Cooper, and Robert Schrieffer. Right, so these are the three physicists who got the Nobel Prize yeah. for their explanation of the theory of superconductivity. Yeah. And since it's, uh, is, it is explained by um, quantum theory, we mm-hmm. won't explain it further, but uh, we explain the basics of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically, it uses Cooper pairs and it ensures it to have uh, no resistance. Uh, so basically, cre- um, superconductivity is below a certain uh, temperature. Temp- critical temperature that mm-hmm. we call critical temperature. Uh, there is no resistance in the material, uh, meaning that there is no loss of energy, like you right. say. Right. And yeah. And uh, you, during their presentation, you gave us a very nice, interesting diagram about what these Cooper pairs are, yeah. which is going to be very difficult to explain, I think. I can't explain it without Right, it would be very difficult, but that's, uh, I think it was the key discovery that helped yeah. explain what's happening at the quantum level with this. Okay. Uh, what else did you guys uh, talk about in your presentation? Um, we talked about uh, the applications of it, uh, the uh, advantages, the disadvantages. Mm. And, uh, I so we'll come back to the applications maybe later. Yeah. Uh, can you give us a bit of um, information about how things have evolved so far since you know the 1950s? How much? Because we're doing a lot of work on superconductivity, and what is the what is the aim? What is the ideal goal we want to reach with superconductivity? Um, I think that uh, superconductors are very useful in our daily life for many reasons. Mm. And um, they could uh, allow us to transform the electrical system, for example, uh, because uh, our current grid lines uh, are um, are not um, under the ground, right. which takes a lot of space. And uh, having a superconductor uh, per grid lines uh, could allow us to uh, lose less uh, power and. So the idea is that anytime we can use electricity without losing energy because of the joule effect or because of any form of resistance, well, that's ideal. That's what we want, right? Because energy lost means we have to produce more energy somewhere else, which probably has more uh, greenhouse gases, more pollution. Uh, So so if we can actually have electricity with no resistance, well, it's kind of the holy grail, right? Like then then we can do pretty much anything uh, with much less energy. So the dream is that. So... What have scientists been trying to do ever since the beginning of superconductor? So the first superconductor, you're saying, was at 4 Kelvin. Yeah. 4 Kelvin in daily life is very difficult to, to maintain or to use, right? But all the research that's been going on, besides the theoretical part, is to do what with superconductors? Um, so, oh, yeah. yeah, we're trying to have a superconductors that have a critical temperature which is quite um, high. Right. So that we can use it in our daily life without right, using right. super, uh, I mean, cooling things. Yeah, or the, what we call room temperature, yeah, room temperature or high temperature superconductors. And so there isn't any natural superconductors that have this high uh, temperature. They, and uh, we... We only have some alloys uh, mm-hmm. that uh, are culprits, and so we are making them, and right. uh, they're not natural. So, so there is no one element that is superconductor? You have to mix different metals to have superconductors uh, so far? 
are they are natural superconductors like copper or things like so that. you can have an ordinary metal like copper yeah. behave as a superconductor but only if it's really really cold yes so if you want to go to temperatures higher than four kelvin which would be pretty much uh, necessary yeah. you can't depend on any one metal you have to mix stuff you have to have yes. what you called uh, an alloy uh, yeah. uh, which and is either mix of different the most metals right okay and, uh, yeah. uh, um, I about uh, the superconductors. Uh, the ideal one must be composed of uh, naturally abundant atoms, easy and cheap to produce, and uh, as Kelly said, uh, with a high TC. Uh, and TC being the critical temperature <laughs> yeah, where it goes. Yeah. I see you guys are so expert in the field, just <laughs> using uh, using acronyms like that. So the idea would be. Uh, so we measure how useful, I guess, a superconductor is by the TC, which is the critical yeah. temperature. And with also uh, if they're abundant or not uh, on Earth. Right, right. And so if we can have like a really high TC, but it uses stuff that's very difficult to obtain, then that's very useful. Really, yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, do you guys know what is the highest... Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, uh, it is a sort of corporate, like I said before, and I think it reached uh, 140 Kelvin. Which okay, is which is still pretty yeah. cold, which is still yeah. minus 100 and some odd degrees, but much less cold yeah. than. It is much better than like four Kelvin. Right, which is very very difficult to obtain. Uh, as a question, just on the side, uh, this Dutch scientist who did the f who discovered the first superconductor, how did he produce a four Kelvin temperature? Do you guys know? That's uh, not very easy to do. You can't put that in the fridge, right? I guess uh, with liquid nitrogen. Okay, right. Because liquid nitrogen is one of those gases whose uh, temperature can go very, very low uh, uh, and still remain liquid. So you have to cool it down into these temperatures. Okay. Um, anything else? What else did you guys talk about in your presentation? Um, I, I, I also talked about the Meissner effect. I ah, also talked about the Meissner effect, which is the effect uh, that we see, you know, on the social media when the sort of right. uh, magnet starts to fly. Right. And, uh, which is the classic example that we yeah, always show uh, when we want to talk about. Uh, can you give us a little idea what the Meissner effect is? Uh, yeah, basically the Meissner effect is uh, the, mi uh, the magnetic lines of uh, whatever um, magnets uh, mm -hmm. that are repelled by the uh, superconductor below its critical temperature. Right. And therefore, it's. And why does this happen? Do you, do you know uh, why uh, um, a superconductor does this? But so the, the classic image is like a little tiny block of metal, yeah. And then it's cooled down with liquid nitrogen, and we can see it floating above uh, yeah. a magnet or something like that, or a conductor. Uh, why does it do this? Why does these electric lines push it away in a superconductive state? but not in a normal state. Uh, I think I saw that there was a eddy currents that formed in right. the superconductors right. uh, when it is below its critical temperature. And uh, with the electrons flowing in a certain way, yeah. it kind of replicates the magnetic lines of uh, right. the magnet. Just so somehow it becomes polarized in yeah. the opposite way. And so you have this repulsive force. Yeah, that's why. Okay. Okay, uh, so the Meissner effect, do we use it in anything or is it just for showing little kids and getting them interested in science? Um, actually, uh, nowadays uh, it's not uh, really used because it's uh, very difficult to achieve mm -hmm. because of the 4 Kelvin uh, temperature right. needed. But um, in the future, uh, um, scientists uh, would like to uh, apply this technology uh, two different things like uh, maglev trains. Right. Maybe you've seen it in movies, uh, trains that fly 
above right, the rails. Right, you sort of float over yeah. the rails. All right, so how about this? Uh, do you guys have anything more that you want to talk about that you talked about in your presentations? And if you don't, we can go on to the question part. Um, I can just add that the, sure. uh, you know, the BCF theory that I mentioned right. before, it doesn't apply to every superconductors actually. Ah. There are, yeah, there are some superconductors that we created, which are the alloys, that don't obey to this BCF theory, and we still don't know why they act like superconductors. Ah, okay. <laughs> I, I did not know this. So basically, BCS theory being the theory that yeah. explains why superconductivity even happens, yeah. and you're saying we've observed. Certain uh, alloys which behave like superconductors, but yeah. not because of the reasons given and by BCS are theory. And these type two superconductors. I don't know if ah, you've heard of it. No, I have not. So there is type one, which is a little the, bit uh, the like ones that are explained by BCS. Okay. Yeah, and then there's type two, which is um, we have higher temperature, higher right. critical temperature, uh, but they have like different um, property. For example, for uh, the, I mean, the type one superconductors that right. I explained, they have a, also a critical magnetic field, right? Uh, meaning that they have a really low critical magnetic field, meaning that when the field is too high, they kind of break and they are not superconductors anymore. Ah. Yeah. Okay. And so for the type two, they have a higher. Um, critical magnetic field, right. meaning that they can support more, yeah. but then they, uh, they can let uh, some magnetic field pass and it depends on the superconductor. Okay, yeah. so if I understand correctly, you're saying for the type 2, these ones that don't uh, are not explained by BCS yeah. theory, they have a higher TC? Yeah. So they're actually more useful for where we want to go with superconductivity than the yes, original times. Okay, and we still don't know why they behave that way. No, we don't know. That's very interesting. Uh, Alright, so how about we move on to the question and answer period? Yeah. Okay. okay. Um, so, um, I think one uh, interesting uh, question was uh, the one by uh, Ellie and Alexander. Yeah. Uh, what is the future of superconductors? It's a very basic question, but yeah. it's really important yeah. uh, because uh, the future of right. a new technology so, in terms of where the research is going, or where the applications are going, or both? Uh, I think uh, the second one. The okay. Let's, okay, let's talk about that then. So, before we, maybe we get to their question, can you tell us if there are any applications of superconductivity that we use already in our daily lives? And so, uh, we have an uh, MRA uh, scanners. MRI. MRI, yeah. <laughs> uh, MRI scanners. So MRI is magnetic resonance imaging. This is uh, one of the imaging technologies yeah. we use to sort of see inside the human body with a lot of precision. Yeah, so uh, superconducting magnets are used to produce a large uniform magnetic field uh, mm -hmm. inside the patient's body. Right. And uh, the uh, MRI scanners, which contain a liquid helium cooling system, uh, capture how these magnetic fields are reflected from organ mm -hmm. in the body. Right. And so uh, we could see if there is disease, cancer, or other... Well, well, how it changes. Yeah. So the idea, the principle of the MRI machine is very interesting. It's that, so you have these magnets, like you said, yeah. which create a very, very, very powerful magnetic field. That's why you need superconductors, because yeah. you need very high currents to produce high magnetic field intensity. And to have high currents without burning everything up, well, you have to have no resistance. That's why you yeah. need the, the superconductive properties. And then they create this magnetic field, and that sort of uh, 
plays around with the magnetic fields of the particles inside the body and when they come back they produce a current and then you can use that yeah. to sort of create an image uh, so he said liquid helium as opposed to liquid nitrogen uh, why liquid helium do you know because it is lower, the yeah, temperature is right. lower. Because it's liquid like for twenty-two Kelvin. Right. So liquid helium is is even colder than yeah. liquid nitrogen. Uh, so which brings us to an interesting point in that mo most of the uses for superconductivity are often for magnets when we want to produce really strong magnets. Uh, what other application in science do we have? Do you know where which uses uh, superconductivity and really powerful magnets? I think we have uh, high sensitivity particle detectors, for example. Uh, okay, yeah. So a lot of stuff linked to particles in general, uh, whether it's detection or other things. Kelly, you were going to say something? Uh, wasn't it the yeah? Gamax? No, yeah. that's for fusion. You're... Uh, was it for CERN? No, super, super Right. Cool? Yeah. What, what, what do we have at CERN that's very, very famous? The LHC. <laughs> Somebody uh, in the audience. What, what do we have at CERN? <laughs> Right, so we have a particle accelerator, right? And a particle accelerator basically uh, is used to create uh, very, very fast-moving particles, and then they hit each other, and they sort of blow up in little tiny quantum uh, explosions, and we can observe what's going on, and that helps us understand many things about them. And the way we can accelerate these particles is with very powerful magnets. Yeah. And these powerful magnets are, like Aurora uh, was telling us, uh, powered by superconductive materials mm -hmm. so you can have very high currents without actually uh, reaching uh, any danger with fire, heat, etc. Uh, any other applications that we have in our daily lives of superconductors? Do you guys know? Not necessarily in our daily <laughs> lives in that, like, you know, we're using our telephones. Ah, I have a oh, superconductive yeah. telephone, but, like, I mean, stuff that we use... For all the phone... Uh, the superconductors uh, help to improve the efficiency and the reliability uh, of cellular phones, uh, which requires oh, uh, high huh. frequencies. Okay. Um, because uh, the, these frequencies are very difficult to achieve, but uh, they were easily achieved okay. uh, with uh, uh, materials uh, with superconductors. Okay. And uh, so uh, this technology appears in many cell phone receiver towers okay. and uh, more and more. Okay, I didn't know that. Day. Okay, that's very interesting. Uh, at one point, you guys mentioned also maglev trains. This was those trains that sort of float. Do they use superconductors or no? I guess yes, um, because of the Meissner yeah. effect. So you can fly. Yeah. Because can we, can, we, can we also do that just with magnets? Nope. Uh, no, we can't. It hasn't enough power. Um, ah, so you can't just have trains that are sitting on big magnets. You have to create the magnetic field, yeah. and to create magnetic fields that are strong enough to push up a train, you're saying we need yeah. superconductive materials. Okay. Because trains are very heavy, so if yes. the magnetic field uh, isn't uh, strong enough, then yeah. it won't happen. Okay. And, uh, yeah, for magnets, I don't know if you play with it, but. They don't stay on each other. Yeah, but that I think we can sort of fix it. Maybe the way uh, the yeah. shape of uh, yeah. the sort of magnets that you you can construct. I suppose uh, that's more of an engineering task, I think, than a physics task. Maybe. Um, any other applications? Did you guys come found? Did you guys find anything? Or uh, we have uh, ray gun and coil gun magnets. Right. Right. Ah. So. Uh, so again, the idea is that usually superconductivity, we use it to create magnets, basically. Yeah, because. Uh, with the Meissner effect, uh, yeah. is uh, easier than with uh, other magnets. Okay, okay. 
So there was a one question. So Elia and Alexandre, which were one of the few students who actually asked any questions, uh, they had another one about magnetic fields. So do magnetic fields pose a danger for human health? Um, Did you guys find anything on that? Yeah. So, um, so already before we talk about a strong magnetic field, a weak magnetic field, is that dangerous? Nope. We know it's not dangerous because the Earth has a weak magnetic field. Yes. We live in it and it, we, we seem to be doing all right. Yeah, in your daily life, we have a lot right. of uh, magnetic fields, but it's not dangerous. Okay. All right. So we're kind of running out of time. So let's get to maybe one final question. Is there any one question that you guys wanted to uh, come up with? Or maybe because I think there was a question about if we're ever going to use superconductors in our daily lives in a more wide way or there was a question about just the whole cooling technology um yeah i can talk about the cooling technology okay because you know it is quite low the five kelvin is quite very very low yeah complicated to reach and so basically we use a liquid nitrogen which uh, has a low temperature Mm -hmm. below 77 kelvin then there is also liquid hydrogen yeah and the liquid helium uh, which are below 20 and 4.2 kelvin yeah and then uh, there is also a laser that is used yep. to cool um, quite near the absolute zero, but yep. not yet. But it's different, the way it functions very different. But yeah. yes, we also use lasers for cooling. Uh, yeah, but ironically. it is much more expensive as yeah. well. So, it uses uh, more energy. Yeah, and liquid helium is also a bit uh, expensive, I think. Uh, which is, yeah, that's why we use liquid nitrogen. Yeah, because it much is more gas. abundant. Yeah. And the problem with liquid helium also is that because not only is it uh, very Exactly. Cool, it also is what we call a superfluid. A superfluid yeah. is a fluid okay. that has no resistance, and that has its own problems. There was a whole story with CERN uh, LHC when it first came online, and uh, uh, but we won't get into that. But it was very interesting because one of the problems was because of liquid helium, it was able to go through one little crack, and uh, yeah. that caused a problem. All right. Well, thank you very much for your interesting talk on superconductivity. So this uh, finishes our first season of Physics Bites. Uh, We're going to have a few more episodes coming from the grade 11 students called Physics Bits, which are much more short and about scientists. Uh, And maybe next year we're going to hopefully come back for season two with our grade 12s from next year. So, Aurore and Katie, thank you very much for your uh, uh, interesting talk on superconductors. Uh, And we will see you next time. Bye-bye.